What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. I was going to talk about something else today, but every now and then I see a social media post that pisses me off and fires me up, and today is one of those days. The post I'm referring to was from Lewis House, who runs the School of Greatness. Now, I really admire him as a person, and I don't know if he runs his own social media or he is just playing the social media game by resharing something like this. He was simply sharing something someone else wrote, and I'm left to question what his intention was by sharing it. Either he really does relate to it, or is trying to speak to the people who relate to it. Either way, it is not as evolved as the other experiences that I have listening to him. But I'll read the post to you to start. And I'm sure some of you will agree with him, or at least a part of you will. Maybe a part of me does. And I'll talk to you about that part of you. And the other parts that are being stuffed down because you are leading from and relating from that part more. The post said, normalize words like colleague, classmate, acquaintance, old schoolmate, neighbor, client. Not everyone is your friend. Now, I've seen many versions of posts like this on social media. Keep your circle small. Don't tell everyone good news. Not everyone is your friend. Even the very old saying that goes, a friend to all is a friend to none, has some implicit meanings built into it which I think are taken completely the wrong way, and I would like to redefine it. Now, before I go into my opinion, let me tell you why posts like this exist. They get a lot of engagement. If you wanted to manipulate someone or to persuade them, speaking in broad terms, you would use five different factors to do so. One, you would justify their failures. For example, you did your best you could in that situation. You could take the blame of their past or their present failure off of their shoulders and place it back onto the circumstance. If you want to manipulate someone, you justify their failures. Second, you ally their fears. Whatever they're afraid of, hurt by or avoiding and scared to approach, you become an ally to those fears and how you feel the same way or have felt the same way and experienced the same hurt. Third is you confirm their suspicions. You water any seeds of doubt they had. You tell them they were right and justified in these doubts. You share how you have confirmed those doubts by having confronted and uncovered them for yourself and then share and exclaim a way to live. Fourth is you encourage their dreams. And that one is obvious. You cheerlead them in whatever risks and decisions that they make. And fifth, which can be a powerful one, is you throw rocks at their enemies. You get on their side by creating an us versus them dynamic and convince them that you both see things the same way. Cults do this. A lot of political parties do this. This is persuasion 101 and or manipulation if used in a negative way. Not all persuasion is a bad thing. Sometimes you yourself need to be persuaded to do things that you are unwilling to do but are actually good for you. In such a case, a sales guy convincing you to buy something might actually be for your benefit. Even though it makes him money, it's still for your benefit. And him using any of these tricks, though they seem nefarious on the surface, these psychological techniques are needed to get you to make a decision that will help change your life. Think someone selling fitness to someone overweight or unhealthy, or selling insurance to someone who doesn't understand their own risk exposure. 
But if you use these tricks to propose or propagate unhealthy ideas into society, then your intention should be brought into question. So while this post allies someone's fears and confirms suspicions, maybe, I don't see how it is a helpful and unifying sentiment to share. All it serves for is engagement, likes and comments. Because someone with the authority of Lewis Howes posts the hurt way by which everyone has been living. And yeah, so people will agree. Not everyone is your friend because they have been burnt before and they have thought someone who was their friend turned their back on them. And so my question to you is, who hasn't been in this situation? And what makes you think it is your friend's job to do any of the things or to live up to any of your expectations? This brings about a larger conversation of all that we impose onto the ideas of friendship. Now, let me get more into why this fires me up and my own ideas of friendship. I totally disagree with this post and such sentiments because these labels of colleague, neighbor, old friend, etc. are labels used to protect your own self from your own imposed ideas onto friendship. You have so many baked in ideas of what a friend is supposed to be that you feel the need to use these labels and then protect this zone of friendship like it's some prize to earn or only deemed for the worthy. Why? Because you can't detach your own self from letting someone in this zone of friendship without it coming with all the expectations that you have of them when they occupy this friend zone. Just because they take up that space now, they have to be wearing the hat of all your expectations. Of course, these posts will get engagement then because you are pandering to the hurt in people who have exercised all these expectations in their life and fallen on their face and now have learned their lesson, quote unquote. Just the way it's phrased is flawed. Your friend, as if friend is something you possess to call your own, your friend. And then in that possession comes all these ideas loaded onto that friendship. And somehow the labels serve as a shield for you a protection mechanism that allows you to pose distance to keep yourself safe from your own expectations that you are loading. You use the labels to protect yourself from your own self, from your own expectations. You feel the need to protect yourself from your own self because you have somehow, somewhere, accepted that a friend is a certain type of thing, that they fill a certain type of role, they do certain type of things. And because people have failed you on those things in the past, your expectations in the past, Again, it's not their job to wear the hat of expectation, so of course they failed you. And now that they have failed you, you are now smarter and wiser, you think, by labeling them appropriately and keeping them at arm's length. And this throws you into a loop of self-protection. And self-protection goes further into dividing you and separating you from the rest of the world and your own power. I listened to my friend Andrew's podcast the other day, and in a weird way, this topic relates to what their episode was about because it was about his girl's friend being upset at her because she forgot her birthday and how a decade-old friendship could be called into question because people think we have to play certain roles to maintain close friendships. And it's ironic because my friend Andrew, who is horrible at remembering birthdays, he's one of my oldest and closest friends and I think out of maybe 20 years or more that I've known him, he maybe remembered my birthday a handful of times. But I've never thought about it like it was anything I'm not sitting here on my birthday keeping tally of who wishes me or remembers or doesn't remember. And on the contrary, when you have good friends, just like you tell your good friends something's in their teeth, when your friendships are free 
of the chains of expectations, when you're not afraid to offend somebody or you actually look out for your friend, you actually remind your friend that it's your birthday or someone else's birthday. And because I know my friend's heart and I don't judge it by the narrow scope of my own viewpoint, I tell him when we have mutual friends' birthdays so he can wish them because I know he would want to. I do this for everyone in my life so they can reach out to that person. I don't expect them to take on the task of remembering. If I remember, I remembered for all of us. Again, my ideas of friendship don't live on such lowly human plane. That is not why I think we are here to connect with people. That is a friendship folly. A folly in biblical terms is someone who disregards the pursuit of truth by instead choosing to live his own way. To hold a pursuit of truth in contempt by rejecting God's wisdom, by rejecting moral and spiritual values, and instead choosing to live his own path in disregard of all those things. And I believe that when we bring friendship down to such a human plane where we need them to fulfill our simple and ever-changing needs and moods, that we cheapen the gift that God has provided us to connect with each other. If he wanted you to be alone, if he wanted you to only have five friends, he would only have made five people visible to you. Don't you think he would have done that? He wouldn't have made it so that you have to navigate all these different interactions and all different walks of life if it wasn't meant for you to absorb their light and share some of your own back with them. He wouldn't have given you that opportunity. To live by our hurt and reject the multitude of experiences that our life can have if you accept the gift of God's children is as big of a sin as I could think of to reject that. Now, I respect personality types and their differences, and not everyone goes around making friends as readily and as easily as I do, or call them friends as easily as I do. But I can't tell you how many times I've had friends not come and hang out because they didn't know the other group of people that would be there. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people share the sentiment and say things like, I don't hang out with people I don't know. And the question that circulates in my head is, but how do you meet new people then? How did someone become your friend in the first place? Even the five people who you are intimately close with today were at one point a stranger. On the path of love, friend and stranger are one and the same. You are on the path. That's literally what the path implies. You start somewhere. You walk out onto the path. People didn't just get dropped into your life with five years of intimacy built in. How did somebody become your friend in the first place? And I wholeheartedly agree with the old notion that goes, a friend to all is a friend to none. To me, a friend to all is a better friend to everyone. Because he learns to just be detached enough from all of his friendships that he doesn't expect one person or five to fill in for all the needs of his psyche. What this saying comes from, I suspect, is the person who seeks, the person who desperately wants to be a friend, the person who compromises himself and his ethics in the pursuit of being liked or coveted by a friend or a group is absolutely not a good friend to any of them because he is not a good friend to himself as he is willingly compromising himself in an attempt to earn approval and will do so again and again for the next group or the next friend, even if that means he compromises the ones that he just made friends with yesterday. That kind of friend isn't a friend to anyone. The seeking of something in itself cheapens the integrity of any friendship you can have with a person like this. They are not looking for friendship. They are looking to fill their voids. But a person who makes many friends and actually doesn't seek anything from them, what he ends up doing is distributing this preconceived load, if there is any, of friendship across so many different people 
that no one ever feels the load. Nobody ever feels the weight. I have such a large rotating group of friends from all the places I've lived and all the people I talk to that it all comes down to availability bias and who's top of mind and who just saw my story recently and who's out of sight and who's out of mind. I could never remember who wished me on my birthday throughout the years or who was there for me in what. I've been on the receiving end of so much indiscriminate love that it breaks all notions of friendships for me. And when you get something without expecting it, it tastes even sweeter. And that doesn't mean that everyone will be in your 3 a.m. list. Even that idea is an imposed notion. Sure, you can measure some of your success, and I've talked about this, through how many people will leave the comfort of their bed to come bail you out at 3 a.m. or pick you up from the airport. And sure, I will agree that a small percentage of your friend group will do such a thing. But if you have this as a rigid expectation on what it takes to be your friend or to be valued by you, then you will miss out on all the sporadic beauty available to you from short, infrequent interactions from all the people that fit into other labels. Why can't they be considered friends? You will distance any chance of intimacy that can come your way from them because you didn't consider them a friend. Really, it comes back down to your own self. How good of a friend are you? How many people can call you at 3 a.m.? Worry about what kind of friend you are. Now, does everyone consider you a friend when you consider them one? Isn't that another imposed expectation? All you can control is your own hands, feet, and heart, and what you give and do with those. The desire for reciprocal gestures and sentiments is such a heavy weight to put on anyone else, while also weighing down your own giving and your own gestures and sentiments. What you do is, what you do is your karma. What someone else does is theirs. That's their problem with their God. Are you here to live with all the ways that you give and your gestures and your sentiments and all the love that you share? Are you here to live or to account for everything? All these societal notions of friendships are hollow. Worry about what kind of friend you are, what kind of person you are, what kind of experience someone else has with you. What can someone rely on you for? Worry about your own emission of energy into the universe. What comes back to you is always just a blessing not your right. Any attempt to earn merit or to impose the ideas of behaviors that earn merit with you is the cheapest form of a life. What would God think of someone doing that? You're a good person for divine reward. You're only good to people who return the favor. The part of you that's not hurt, not living and leading by hurt, knows this. The attempts to spare yourself from hurts will suffocate your life, and your light. And guess what? You'll still be hurt. You're still not safe. Your own expectations and presumptions lay a fertile bed to foster your hurt. Your real enemy is within, constantly hurting you with your own preconceived notions. And that part of you, that enemy within, is not easily labeled and not easily avoided on the outside. How do you protect yourself from that? I love you, family. Stay true, always. I see you on the next show. I see you on the next show.